Fun? You know, grass, picnic. No, you don't need something special. Okay, the Pasha. The Pasha is Akiv. Akiv. In the Pasha of Akiv, Moshe Rabbeinu speaks to Bnei Yisrael and says many things to them. Amongst them are these psukim, which are um, which are difficult because of their content. Perek Tet, Pasuk Aleph. Shema Yisrael, Ata uvea yom et ha-yardein l'avo l'reshet goyim gidolim v'atsumim mimeka. Harim gidolot uvitsurot v'shamayim. Okay. You know, everybody knows that. Because that's what the Meraglim told us. They told us that uh, Eretz Yisrael is not a pushover. So Moshe Rabbeinu repeats that. And then he continues and says, Am gadol varam b'nei anakim asher ata yadata v'ata shamata mi yitiyatsev l'fnei b'nei anak. So um, you're proper. It's proper to be nervous about coming to Eretz Yisrael. V'yadata hayom ki Hashem elokecha ovel l'fanecha eish ochlahu yashmideim v'hu yachnieim l'fanecha so Moshe Rabbeinu promises that a Kodesh Baruch will lead them to Eretz Yisrael and the result will be, at least militaristically, will be in our favor. So that sounds good. But now, listen to what Moshe Rabbeinu says. Don't think that your victory over the nations has something to do with tzidkatcha, with the, the righteousness that you, uh, uh, you have. He says, "Uvirishata goyima elo Hashem orisham mipanecha lo bitzit katcha pasukei uviyosha levavcha tabal reshet etarzam ki virishata goyima elo Hashem elokecha orisham mipanecha." Imagine, Moshe Rabbeinu says to Bnei Israel, "Don't think that you deserve this. Don't think that you deserve Eretz Israel lo bitzit katcha. It's rather because of the wickedness of the nations." in Canaan, that this is going to happen. And further, HaKadosh Baruch Hu has an obligation, has an obligation to the promise that he made to Abraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So like you say, you say, these people, these people who are uh, uh, going into Eretz Yisrael, who are looking for support and, uh, and confidence building by Moshe Rabbeinu. Instead, Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, you don't deserve it, and on your own merit you would never go to Eretz Yisrael. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu is using you, first of all, to punish the Goyim, who deserve to be punished. And secondly, secondly, it's also in order to 
in order to fulfill the promise that HaKadosh Baruch made to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov that their children will inherit the land. So I, I don't know exactly what B'nai Yisrael thought about hearing this announcement by Moshe Rabbeinu, but let's read, let's read to the end of the Pesukim that we have here, Pasuk Vav. Repeating the first idea, you don't deserve it. And after all, we know that you're Am Kshe Oref, which means, well, we don't know what it means, but it means something like incorrigible. You know, like, there's nothing to do. I mean, Moshe Rabbeinu has been doing this job for 40 years, and he knows that there's, there's no hope, right? You know, this was, uh, this was repeated, as you know, in the time of Yirmiyahu Navi. Yirmiyahu Navi prophesied in Yerushalayim for 40 years, and at the end, there was the Churban Beit HaMikdash. I mean, Yirmiyahu Navi followed this pattern, like, no matter what you said and no matter what you did, B'nai Yisrael could not be uh, uh, turned away from their chosen path, which was a bad path. So this is what Moshe Rabbeinu said to B'nai Yisrael after being punished. They were punished in Eretz Yisrael, in, in, in the Midbar. They traveled around for 40 years. And at the end of 40 years, Moshe Rabbeinu said, look, it's hopeless. There's nothing. But history goes on because there are some other aspects to history that have to be fulfilled. So, so you're going to go to Eretz Yisrael. You'll conquer the land. But uh, who, uh, the, the prognosis is bad. The prognosis is bad because you are the way you are and you're going to mess up again. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu says to them. And then, um, again, Zechor Asher Al Tishkach, Asher Ktsavta Hashem Lukech Midbar. Imagine this Zechor Al Tishkach, it sounds like a mitzvah. You should remember that you, that all the time you were in the Midbar, you angered God. Uh, that's it. That's your definition. You turned away. You were not accepting of God's directive. That's hiktsafta. You angered God. And even at Har Sinai, you build the golden calf. You angered God. Hashem Bachem Lashmid Etchem. So, like, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu is leaving B'nai Israel with this thought. And the thought is that they really have no merit. There is no meritorious aspect to the life of B'nai Israel in the desert. They did bad things, they were punished, but they didn't change. And that's where we are. That's where we are, the eve of going to Eretz Yisrael. said to them, okay, okay, you'll go to Eretz Yisrael. But honestly, I mean, you are the way you are. And it's sort of a, a premonition about the future. That if you are the way you are, that we know how the future is going to be. I mean, nothing is going to change. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Moshe Rabbeinu to say to B'nai Yisrael. It's kind of a uh, distressing voice for B'nai Yisrael to hear 
on the eve of their entry into Eretz Yisrael. Let's see uh, what the classical Mephoshim have to say. Look at the Rashbam. You see the Rashbam? Lobitzit Katcha, the second Pasuk. Lobitzit Katcha. Sharei Zachar Tishkacha Sharki Tzavta. The Rashbam. Evez Echad Mishnei Advarim Emet. Ki Berishatam Ifsidu Nachalatam. Uma Sha'ata Zocheba. So he puts the pieces together and he says, yes, it's true that the nations who live in Eretz Yisrael today are going to lose their rights. They're going to be kicked out. But it's not going to be because of your righteousness that they are going to be kicked out. But it's because of the promise that HaKadosh Baruch Hu made to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So Bnei Yisrael are kind of moving along in history. But there's nothing you could say about them. There's nothing good that can be said about B'nai, about B'nai Yisrael. That's the Rashbam. So the Rashbam here is, uh, is saying the Pshat. Right? This is the Pshat. Rashi doesn't say it. The Rashbam says it. That's fine. The Ramban. If you look at the Ramban, the Ramban says, Achash is Iram. After Moshe Rabbeinu taught them, Al Tachshov, Ashalot Tachshov Kolchiba Otsem Yadi Asali, Rakshetaydaki Hanitsufim be Milchamet, Milchamet Hashem, Natan Lahem Akoachu, Vait Kifim Shebahem, Varima Bitsurot Asher Tilkidu, Hashem Ichfoto Asalachem Kain, Benes. This is what Moshe Rabbeinu is telling B'nai Yisrael, that it's all from God. God will help them conquer the land and, and conquer the cities, and, and it all come from God. Chazav is here. After he tells them all of that, he, he reminds them, Do not think it's because of your righteousness. But it's only because of the wickedness of the nations that inhabit the land that you were given the opportunity to conquer. It's not because B'nai Yisrael had to inherit the land, but it's because they were all deserving of this punishment. He says, no, he says, there's no righteousness to you at all, not in your desire or your willingness to go to Eretz Yisrael. That B'nai Yisrael did, or the hate that they didn't want to go to Eretz Yisrael, even that cannot deny the matana shenatan lavotecha ki b'shuah netana lahem. So the Ramban expands further and says that the only reason that B'nai Yisrael could go to Eretz Yisrael today is because that's a promise that was made to Avram and Yisrael and Yaakov, and they have no a reason to think that there are, there's any merit to them which enables them to inherit the land. Rashi Ketav Al-Tomah Bilbavcha Tzitkati 
he shouldn't even say that it was some kind of a combination of my righteousness and the wickedness of the nations. That's Rashi. There's another apostle that says that God is loves B'nai Israel. And what do you mean God loves B'nai Israel? There must be something to love. There must be worthy of that love. Kirasha. Uh, it sounds like but Israel do have some redeeming features and that should enable them to inherit the land so the Ramban says what the Ramban basically says, what the Rashbam says. The Rashbam says, your righteousness does not give you the merit to inherit the land. Why are you going to inherit the land? Because of the wickedness of the nations and because of the promise that was made to Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. However, the Ramban, Ramban says the same thing, but the Ramban adds and says, but isn't there another pasuk that indicates God's love for B'nai Yisrael? And how could you say that they have no merit? Because would God love the people who had no merit? Would God love the people who, uh, who were sinners? Well, that doesn't make sense. And so the Ramban opens a little opening here. <clears throat> a little opening of optimism. And he says that the Lobitzit Katcha refers to the Jews who are about to enter Eretz Yisrael, but does not refer to the Jewish people in history. These people who are about to go to Eretz Yisrael, after all, are the ones who left Mitzrayim. It's true, they were children at that time, but they witnessed, they were part of, de facto, the Chet Egel and the, and the refusal to go to Eretz Yisrael. He says, so these people, these people don't have a claim they don't have that righteousness. However, the Ramban says, or look at that line in the Ramban again, the Ramban says, Vachuva, Kisham, over there where the Pasuk says, where the Pasuk says, Ki me'avat Hashem etchem, Kisham yedaber im Yisrael bichlalam. We're talking about the Jewish people in history. V'kan yochiach ador hachu, so this is a, a typical kind of a resolution that's found uh, on every daf of the Gemara. You have a contradiction. This is talking about daytime, and this is talking about nighttime. How do you know that? Well, because you can't have a contradiction. Of course, you can't have the contradiction, and therefore, you have the right to invent a distinction which is not obvious in the text. Right? It's not obvious. So you invent it. And the reason you can invent it is because you assume that the Torah should be consistent. 
The Torah should be consistent with the Torah. So their Pasuk in Devarim should be consistent with another Pasuk in Devarim. How could Moshe Rabbeinu say that God loves B'nai Yisrael and then say that they don't have any righteousness? There's no righteousness to them. This, these two statements don't, don't fit in together. <coughs> so that uh, 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 the Ramban reduces the Pasuk in front of us. Lo reduces that Pasuk to the people who are standing there. Moshe Rabbeinu is not talking to B'nai Yisrael of history. He's not talking to the B'nai Yisrael who reads the Torah. <coughs> who reads the Torah. He's talking to those people who are standing there. But what about the people <coughs> throughout the ages who go to Shul on Shabbos and read the parish of Akev? Ah, they're the ones who God loves. And God is interested in. <coughs> so it turns out that this pasuk in the parish of Akev is somehow time bound. It's a pasuk about those people. It's not about Am Yisrael, but it's about those people. And that means that uh, they, they can still redeem themselves somehow. They can be worthy of Eretz Yisrael. They can be worthy of, of living here and conquering the land on a per- more permanent basis. But you see from the Ramban, you see from the Ramban that, that there's an issue. Even though the Ramban presents it, the Ramban presents it as, a, the Ramban presents it as a, a contradiction. Says, the issue is that the, one person says this, another person says that. But really, the issue is, how could Moshe Rabbeinu say to B'nai Israel, Lo that you don't deserve to go to Eretz Israel, but you're going anyway? I mean, what sort of introduction is that to the Jewish history? In Eretz Yisrael, they don't deserve to go. And they're only going to destroy or to punish the nations. And they're only going in order to... Uh, uh, in, uh, they're, all, they're only going in order to uh, fulfill the promise to Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. That's tantamount to saying that they're not going to stay. That they're going to get kicked out. Because when HaKadosh Bohu told Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm sorry, when HaKadosh Bohu told Avram Avinu, that he would inherit the land, that his children would inherit the land. Avram Avinu said, Bama Eida Ki Irashena. How do I? This is the first question. His first question was, How do I know? What do you mean, how do you know? God just told you that you're going to, your children are going to inherit the land. What's Avram Avinu asking? Bama Eida Ki Irashena. So the Gemara in Ta'anit, quoted by Rashi, Al Hamakom, says that Mavrovin was asking what happens if his children sin? What happens if they don't deserve Eretz Yisrael? Because Mavrovin understood that Eretz Yisrael was connected somehow to merit. It wasn't like a piece of land that you own in Madagascar someplace. But it was something that you only could hold on to if you merited Eretz Yisrael. That's what the Torah says that again and again. But Abraham Avinu understood it. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu said to Abraham Avinu, they'll give the sacrifices. They'll give sacrifices, even if they are not, they're not uh, themselves worthy, but they'll sacrifice. What if the temple is destroyed, Abraham Avinu says. So eventually HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, in the Gemara, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Abraham Avinu, if they say Korbanot, when they daven in the morning, that will, that will give them the rights to Eretz Yisrael. So that Avram Avinu knew that Eretz Yisrael was difficult. 
that Eretz Yisrael was problematic, that holding on to Eretz Yisrael was a matter of, of, of whether you deserved it or not. So you just get it. And that's the end of the story. But staying in Eretz Yisrael is problematic. So if you say to B'nai Yisrael, Lo you say it's like saying you're not going to stay. And Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that you're not going to stay. So the Ramban, the Ramban solves that problem by saying, well, it depends who you're talking to. If you're talking to the people who are standing right in front of you, you could say, Lo but if you're talking about the people, the Jews in history, who might stay in Eretz Israel if they're up to it, ki me'avat Hashem etchem say. So there's this problem that exists in this speech that Moshe Rabbeinu said to Bnei Yisrael, in which it sounded like, it sounds like, he was telling them that they don't have a chance. They will not be able to, uh, uh, to make it in Eretz Israel. And of course you have to remember the point of the Ramban that it depends on whether you're talking to the people who are standing there or you're talking to B'nai Yisrael in history where the possibility is greater. So now I want to learn uh, the Swat Emes and the Meishi Loach on this. Swat Emes and the Meishi Loach were more or less contemporaries. I mean in Jewish history. The Meishi Loach was earlier, the Swat Emes a little bit later, but both of them both of them had um, interesting approaches to things. You know, after all, um, the end of the 19th century, the 20th century, was like long after, long after the Ramban was written. But still, the Svas Emes, was the second Gera Rebbe, as you should remember, and the Meishi Loach was Ishbitz, what we call today Ishbitz, which was a, uh, a descendant of Pshischa, uh, of Simcha Bunim of Pshischa. Was uh, somehow, some way, which I have to re- try to remember, was the Talmud of Rabbi Yirmiyah from Matisdorf. In other words, Rabbi Sinchabunim, who was Polish, who came from Poland, went to Hungary to learn. Uh, he learned uh, Nigla. He learned Gemara. You know, Gemara, Ion, but some, for some reason he went to learn with the Rabbi Yirmiyah of Matersdorf. Rabbi Yirmiyah's name, I don't, I don't remember if he has a last name, but that's what he's called. Rabbi, he was a Rav in Matersdorf for about 20 years. Uh, and that was the time of the flowering of Hasidus. So, um, so let's look first at the Svas Emes. Right, remember the Svas Emes? is the second Gary Rebbe. Adoni Mori Yuskeni Zahal. You remember I told you that the first Gary Rebbe was the Chedushi Rim. The Chidushi Arim, and the Chidushi Arim had a son. And the son had a son, and the son's, the grandson's name was the Svasemes. The son died in his father's lifetime, but when his son was very young. So the Svasemes grew up with his grandfather. He grew up with his grandfather, his grandfather was his main teacher. So when he writes, Adoni Morius Gaini, he means his grandfather. The Chidushi Arim, he, was, he learned Torah from his grandfather. So you could see that 
that we're building on the Ramban here. He says all the things, when we say that God gave something to B'nai Yisrael, it doesn't mean he gave it to a particular group of B'nai Yisrael, but he gave it to all the generations. So if HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us Eretz Yisrael, he didn't give it to the people who, just to the people who, who went into Eretz Yisrael with Yoshua Binun, but he gave it to what he calls uh, to the totality of the Jewish people. So of course that means that even, even the, the least impressive generation uh, of B'nai Yisrael uh, can be worthy of Eretz Yisrael because Eretz Yisrael is something that Am Yisrael gets as a totality in history and not something that a particular generation gets. And the miracles in the desert, There's no doubt that all of these miracles that took place in the desert were not because the people in the desert were worthy of, of such miracles, but it was rather because if you take the totality of the Jewish people, you consider the Jewish people, then they're worthy. Then they're worthy because the only way that the Jewish people could continue would be for that extraordinary miracle to take place. So, in other words, that when the Jews, when the Jews were in the desert and they ate the man, they had this tremendous awareness that they were being sustained by God. If they were walking around in a par days and eating apples, so who knows, you know, so the par days, there are trees, the trees have apples, so you eat an apple, right? Or you, or you, uh, you go to the supermarket, they get a chicken. So the chicken is in a plastic bag, and the plastic bag says, eat me. So you eat the chicken, but you don't feel that God gave you the chicken. You feel that, that, that there's some, uh, some uh, there's a shochet, a bodek, and, uh, they, they, they gave you the chicken. So, so hazanet akol, hazanet akol, the time for the takanah, the bracha, that's the bracha that Moshe Rabbeinu fixed, is when it's absolutely clear to you that your sustenance comes from God. And that happened at the time of the man. So the Svasana says, that's a present that we all received. We all have that feeling of Azana Dakol because of the fact that our forefathers were fed in the desert by man. The Nishar Zot Bnei Yisrael. The Eindomeh Machal Ish Yisrael Lechol Bnei Adam. O Mechlal Shetziva Otan Lisko Zot Bvadai Nishar Mimeno Lidorot. And therefore, we have to understand that events that happen at a particular time, because of a particular need, that's what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that the miracles that happened to the Jews in the desert were miracles that were necessary at the moment. There were miracles that were necessary at the moment. That's what they happened, even though the Rambam himself is not so interested in miracles. He doesn't think that miracles do much for faith. But the, 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 the miracles were necessary. Here, the Svat Emet says this. He says the miracles were necessary for establishing a religious dimension to things. So how do you make 
eating into something religious. How do you make eating? Oh, if you recognize the fact that all sustenance comes from God. But, but, but how come most people don't recognize the fact that all sustenance comes from God? How come most people think, you know, I dug a hole, I put in a seed, I watered it, and out came a tomato, and it's my tomato. That's what most people think. Most tomato growers, most people who buy tomatoes. Well, how do you get to the point where you feel that God is hazarat akol? So according to, uh, uh, according to Svatevet, using the language that people like to use today, you have to have a hazan et akol narrative in your memory. You have to have the memory of a moment when hazan et akol was perfectly obvious. There was no mistaking it. So, what were the elements of Azanat Akol? The desert, where you can't plant a tomato and get anything, you can't get anything out of the desert, or oh, not much, right? You don't get much out of the desert, and man, and the man that sustained us. So these two things, the desert and the man, are part of the Jewish narrative that teaches you, not that, that God does miracles, as the Rambam says. That's kind of an irrelevancy. I mean, okay, God does miracles. I mean, you know, of course God can do a miracle. But that God is Hazanet HaKol. That's the narrative that's within us. And that narrative is what we repeat when we bring the Bikurim. Right in the parish of Kitavo, we'll get to it. The parish of Kitavo, there's this mitzvah bringing Bikurim. Bikurim are the first fruits that grow on the tree. And what do you say when you bring the Bikurim? Everybody knows because we know it from the Haggadah. Right? Arami Oved Avi Bayerd Mitzrayma. What do we say? We say all history is God. So when we look at the fruit on the tree, the narrative that we bring to the fruit on the tree is that God is in charge. That's the narrative that we bring. The, the Birkat Amazon, the narrative we bring to Birkat Amazon is Hazanet HaKol. And a narrative comes from actual events, right? It means you might tell it in a different way, but you have to start out with an event. So the event that B'nai Yisrael used in order to create Birkat Amazon, after all, the Torah says, you're supposed to say Birkat Amazon, but it doesn't say what what it is, what, Birkat, what the words of Birkat Amazon are. So the narrative that we use to create Birkat Amazon is Midbar plus Man. And there everybody understood that God is Hazan And once you know that God is Hazan that it's easy enough to do the mitzvah, Bikurim. You bring the Bikurim and you say, Jewish history, produce this fruit. It's only because of history, because there was Yitziat Mitzrayim, and because there was a Midbar, and because we came to Eretz Israel, so there's fruit. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any fruit. So that, you need that, in order to be able to say, in order to say, uh, the Arameo, it's called Vidui Maaser, Vidui Bikurim, that in order to say that, in order to say that, you have to have this narrative that produced Tazanat HaKol. That's what the that's what the Svasabha says. So now he goes on and says, Ragdori Shon, are you Kalim Likabel Aharot Bipal Mamash? Aval Nishara Pnimiut Lidorah. That was the first generation who had the experience. They had a very special kind of feeling about it. 
right? It's like, it's like when you tell your children a story or your grandchildren about something that you experienced. So you say, you see that the children are not paying such close attention. So you say, it was really wonderful. It was really special. They're still not paying attention, right? You could say, so they just say something. The heavens opened up. Or, or God's light appeared. I mean, so try to get their attention. Try to tell them that this was something special. So there's always a difference between people who inherit the narrative and people who create the narrative. But okay, there's a difference. But it doesn't mean that the people who inherit the narrative don't have some part of it as well. Nishara Pnimiut Nidorot. He calls it Pnimiut, right? The, in the internal uh, aspect of it. So that we have the memory of it, or the narrative of the Niflaot remains with us forever. And then the bracha ala aretz v'alamazon. Everybody knows. Everybody knows that that this uh, uh, this narrative, which includes God's concern for Bnei Yisrael, starts with Hazan et Akol. That's the midbar, and that's uh, that's the man. And then it continues al haaretz v'al hamazon. In other words, B derives from A. It's because of. It's because we live through A that we're able to see B. Right? Because we lived in a place where we were totally dependent upon God's uh, 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 support. That was the desert. We're able to see that when we come to Eretz Yisrael, we're still living under God's support. And that's called, that's the bracha that we make, Brachat Amazon, the second bracha, Al Haaretz, the Al Hamazon. That's the second. That's the second bracha that we make. The Rishu Chazal, Eretz the Mapik Mazon, the land that gives forth food. Shemazon b'nei Yisrael who b'emtzaut Eretz Yisrael. Hagam shanachlu b'chutz la'aretz. Right. That's what the there's a famous Zohar that says. You know the parsha the parsha Eker. Right. V'achalta v'savato v'rachlu Hashem elokecho. That it would seem from the pasuk the simple pshat in the pasuk is. What happens next? That the mitzvah, that possible is the mitzvah of own. So the Zohar asks a question, how come? Isn't it true that you only have to make the mitzvah of Birkat Amazon in Eretz Yisrael? And not Chutz Laaretz. V'achalda v'savata v'erachta t'ashem v'lokecha al-aretz ha-tova. Al-aretz ha-tova. Why? Why al-aretz ha-tova? You make Birkat Amazon wherever you are. So the answer in the Zohar, even though he doesn't quote the answer in the Zohar, but it's, it says, the Mazon b'nei Yisrael b'emtsud Eretz Yisrael. So the Zohar says, even in Chutz even in Chutz the food that we eat 
comes through the bracha that comes in Eretz Yisrael. It's like you know, the language of the Zohar, the Tzinorot bring down the food from heaven to Eretz Yisrael, and then from Eretz Yisrael they spread out into the entire world. But here the point is, the point that I'm trying to make is that if you go through the experience of the Midbar, you're able to understand, you're able to understand what Eretz Yisrael is really about. And that's why the first bracha was, was created by Moshe Rabbeinu in Chutzlaretz. And the second bracha was created by Yeshua ben Nun when they got to Eretz Yisrael. Okay. So that, that if I had to say, like, what does the Sfat Emet, what does the Sfat Emet add? What does Sfat Emet want me to, under, want me to understand? Well, he says that, that his father-in-law, his grandfather, his grandfather, I'm sorry, says something that's similar, he said something that's similar to what the Ramban said. That somehow, the Matana of Eretz Yisrael was given to Klalut B'nai Yisrael. Like they, the, the generations of B'nai Yisrael. It's only the experience of the Midbar that creates a narrative that was then used by the people of Israel. And just like the first bracha of Berkat HaMazon was created in the Midbar, the second bracha was created because they had the memory of what was going on in the Midbar. And that, uh, that, and that memory was that they were totally dependent totally dependent on God. So while it may be true, this Moshe Rabbeinu said that they were not righteous, but they were religious. In other words, they were not righteous because they acted badly, but they had a deep appreciation of what HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for B'nai Yisrael. So having said all of this, having said all of this, I would like to, uh, to tell you what the Meishi Law said. There are two sections here for the Meishi Law. I will try to go through at least one of them. And the other one is similar. The other one is similar. This is, uh, the Meishi Law is published in two volumes. And they kind of, um, both volumes have uh, uh, sections or pieces on the entire Chumash. Right, so, the, so Aleph is Breshit until Dvarim, and Beth is Breshit till Dvarim, I guess, second thoughts. So this is what the Meishilach says. Altumar b'tzidkati v'rishat ha-goyim lo b'tzidkatcha ki im mirishat ha-goyim in other words, we look at the beginning, the first pasuk. Pasuk Gimel, it says, V'yadata ayom, כי <laughs> So now look here. 
I'm on the second uh, second line. Vineki bemet bachar Hashem b'Yisrael af belima sehem. He's saying pshat. This is a typical ishbitzer pshat. He says lo bitzit katcha. Doesn't mean because you're not a tzaddik, but it means it was not because or as a result of your righteousness that you're getting to go to Eretz Israel. He says, Hineki be'emet b'char Hashem b'Yisrael af b'li ma'asehem. It's like a new idea. Up to now, up to the Be'eshilach, we always thought that in order for B'nai Yisrael to reap the benefits, whatever benefits there are of keeping the Torah and the mitzvot, you have to keep the Torah and the mitzvot. The Meshilach says, no, what this Pesach means is this. Second line, past the middle, Ineki be'emet b'achar Hashem b'Yisrael af That the choice by God of B'nai Yisrael had nothing to do with what they had accomplished because B'nai Yisrael were chosen before B'nai Yisrael existed. They were chosen at the time of Avram Avinu. Well, they weren't chosen because they were good. They were chosen because they were going to be the progeny. Gemosha Katuv. Halo ach Esav liyakov. Vahavet Yaakov. Vahavet Yaakov. So this is a posuk in Malachi. This is a posuk in Malachi. You know, Malachi is the last book of the Treyasa. The last book of the Treyasa. The last three books of Treyasa are Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi are considered in the Gemara to be Sof Nevu'ah. The last prophets are Chagai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Chagai and Zechariah prophesied when Bnei Yisrael came back to Eretz Yisrael led by Ezra and Nehemiah, like Chagai and Zechariah. They were the prophets of the rebuilding of the Beit HaMikdash. Malachi prophesied later, several hundred years later, but we don't know exactly when. We don't know what this, the exact historical context was. But, but we know that it was a time that B'nai Yisrael did not have uh, political independence. They were able to serve God in the Beit HaMikdash and to earn their way somehow in Eretz Yisrael, but they were not, uh, they were not blessed with political freedom. First it was the Persian Empire that controlled Eretz Yisrael, and eventually that was taken over by uh, Alexander the Great and the Greek Empire. Right, so that the Persians started in 535 BCE. Alexander was like 330 BCE. So, like 200 years. The 200 years between the Persian uh, rule over Eretz Israel and the beginning of the Greek rule over Eretz Israel. And someplace in there is Malachi. And Malachi makes this comment. I mean, it's, it, the Pesach is there. I just read, Masad um, Devar Hashem Yisrael Malachi. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Malachi to speak to B'nai Yisrael. Ahavti etchem, Amar Hashem. Remember Ahavti etchem, the passage that the Ramban quotes, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to B'nai Yisrael, Ahavti etchem. V'amartem, Bama ahavtanu. And B'nai Yisrael were not in such good position. And so they say, what's the proof? I mean, what is the, how does the love express itself? After all, it's Esav. And he's a brother of Yaakov. Vahev at Yaakov. He says, no, but God loves Yaakov. That they saw Saneti, Vosim et Harav Shmama, Ved Nachalato, Lanot Midbar. Tanot Midbar. So there's some kind of statement hidden here in Malachi about the fact that God's love for B'nai Yisrael is immutable, and God's despising a Sav will never change. And so the Meshiloch uses this pasuk. And he says, he says the following. Kemoshika to the third line. Halo ach esav liyakov. Vahevet Yaakov. And nevertheless, God loves Yaakov. As though you would think that there's a blemish. That Esav is a bad guy. And Esav is Yaakov's brother. But it doesn't matter. God loves Yaakov. And you remember that, that there were complaints about B'nai Yisrael in Mitzrayim. And that's what it says in the Midrash. But the Midrash says, what's the difference between B'nai Yisrael who are slaves and the Egyptians who are the slavers? These are worshipping Avodah Zarah, and these are worshipping Avodah Zarah. And Kolze, Bachar Hashem be Israel, Kehem Chelek Elokai, Bimaal, Bomkam, Ubishor Sham. Kemoshe Katuba, Posig at the end of the Barim, Kehelek Hashem Amo. So that the, the, uh, uh, the Mesh is saying, that the Pasuk is coming to teach us a truth. And that truth is lo which doesn't mean that you don't have to be tzaddikim, but that the relationship between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Klal Yisrael is ultimately not connected, not dependent on the righteousness, righteousness of Am Yisrael. But somehow, in the world as it is ordained, as the world is ordained, Am Yisrael has a special place. Kichelek Hashem Amo. That Bnei Yisrael belong to God. They are God's Chelek. Uh, uh, so that Eretz Yisrael, in order for Eretz Yisrael to become a Makom in which the Beit HaMikdash could be built, only Bnei Yisrael can provide that in the history of the world. 
יתברך לאבד שבעה אומות שנראה כאכזריות חס ושלום, even though it looks to us that God is being uh, severe in destroying the seven nations, this is not true. It's because those nations exhibit this quality of achzariyut that they are going to be destroyed. So look again. Let's look at the Pesukim. Look at how this Meishi Loch reads the Pasuk. He, uh, he says, Not because, he says, yes, of course you're righteous. Of course you're doing mitzvot. The Jews are 40 years in the desert. 40 years in the desert. And the 40 years in the desert, they, they did the mitzvahs. They did what Moshe Rabbeinu told them to do. All right, there was a little bit of trouble with, uh, with Pinchas and before that with Korach. So a little bit of trouble. But, but Sachakol, day after day, they did what they were supposed to do. They lived what they were supposed to live. So he says, when it says, Lo that means that <coughs> that the world, changing the nature of the world, kicking the seven nations out of Eretz Israel in order that you should be able to go to Eretz Israel, that's not because of tzidkatcha. That's not because of your righteousness. Your righteousness can never produce an essential change in the makeup of the world, which is what Rashi asked in the first, in the first Rashi on, on the Chumash. So listen. Listen that what HaKadosh Baruch Hu is saying to B'nai Yisrael, you are now going to take Eretz Yisrael from the seven nations. How are you going to take Eretz Yisrael from the, from the seven nations? You're going to say that you're from, you're going to say you keep mitzvahs, so therefore you deserve everything and nobody else deserves anything. Impossible. That's an impossible thought. Not because you don't have tzid, uh, not because you're not a tzaddik. You're a tzaddik. But lo Yosher Levavcha, you mean because you don't have Yosher Levav? You have Yosher Levav. You are those kinds of people. But that's not what is going to enable you to take the land away from the seven nations. But what will? Hashem Elokecha Morisham Bipanecha. In other words, there's going to be a change in the way God created the world. These seven nations have lived in Eretz Canaan legitimately for many generations. What is going to enable you to kick them out? Not because you dive in a long Shmon Esrei. That's not what's going to enable you to kick them out. What's going to enable you to kick them out is because God is kicking them out. Because they produced, they were, they were a, a bad people. They didn't live up to the basic moral and ethical standards that are demanded by a Kodesh Baruch from his creation. So he says, he says, uh, And the reason that it has to happen this way, you know, as you could say, okay, they're bad people, okay, they did terrible things, but so were the Egyptians. 
The Egyptians were bad people, but they weren't kicked out of Egypt. They were, they were defeated. Their army was destroyed. The king was embarrassed. I mean, all of this happened to the Egyptians, but they remained in Egypt. How come the seven nations were kicked out? He says, that's Laman Hakim. It's in order that the covenant with Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov should be established. Because of the covenant, the punishment is that they will be exiled from the land of Canaan. But they're not going to be exiled from the land of Canaan because of the covenant. They're exiled from the land of Canaan because they are Rishaim. So that righteousness does not give you the right to wickedness. There was a righteous person. doesn't matter how many stars he has on the refrigerator. Right? How many mitzvah stars he has on the refrigerator. He can't say, look, I've got all these stars. So I'll be nasty to the kid who lives down the block. He can't say that. There's no amount of righteousness that enables a person to be wicked. There's no such thing. So this is what Moshe Rabbeinu is telling B'nai Yisrael, that the only way that our Eretz Yisrael could be bequeathed ultimately to, er- to Am Yisrael was if the people who lived there deserved to be sent away by HaKadosh Baruch in the world. And so you see that HaKadosh Baruch, that he shows you that HaKadosh Baruch could develop, develop positions about the people who live in the world that was created. And just as the world was created originally with seven nations in Eretz Canaan, but they lost the privilege of living in the land of Canaan. And so they were kicked out because of the Rishut of Benezo. So you see that the Meshiloch has a new way of, a new and different way of looking at it. I think that, uh, uh, I think it's interesting. <laughs> I think it's worth thinking about. To say it again, Lobitzit Katcha means it's not because of the righteousness which surely you have, but it's rather because of the wickedness of B'nai Yisrael. And I'll just say, maybe add on, I'll say this vote. I've said this vote many times, but you know that when Yeshua Benun sent the Miraglim, when Yeshua Benun sent the Miraglim to Eretz Yisrael, um, so the Miraglim, it's not clear exactly what they were supposed to do. You know, they got caught up in this story with Rachav Zona, and they were on the roof, and the police came and chased after them, and they came back to Yeshua Benun, and they reported. What did they report? I mean, they didn't go anywhere. They didn't see anything. They didn't do anything. What did they report? So they said, they reported the conversation that they had with Rachav Zona. You know, Rachav Zona, she's every woman. She represents like the common folk, you know, like uh, she's a regular person. She's a regular person. She gets information by walking around the street, by talking to people, by going to the shuk. I mean, she knows, that's how she knows what's going on. She's not a high-powered politician. She, Rechab Zodak, came to these Maraglim and they said, look, when you come and conquer the, the, conquer the land, I want you to, to uh, give my family a break and I'm going to save you on that basis. And you know that we know, she said, we know that you left Mitzrayim and that God brought you here and that you're going to conquer the land because it's, the God, it's God's will. And so what Yeshua wanted to find out, what Yeshua wanted to find out was not 
Are there roads? Are there buildings? Are there? He didn't want to find that out. He wanted to find out whether he had moral authority to conquer the land. And what gave him the moral authority? If he would come like, a, like an army from the desert, like the Mongolians conquering Rome, he'd say, okay, you know, they don't need moral authority. You know, they're just like a bunch of Mongolians. But, but Joshua Benun said, you can't conquer Eretz Israel that way. The only way to conquer Eretz Israel is I know that the people who live there know that we are representing God's will. If they know we're representing God's will and they deny us, then we have every right to engage them in battle and to emerge uh, victorious. So you see, not because of righteousness. Righteousness never covers up for indiscretion or wickedness. But it's the Rishat goyim. Their judgment, they are judged on their own. And this, the Rambam says this, the Ramban says this. And, uh, and but not explaining this pasuk, but both in Klali, the general, they, they all say this. And he says this. So that's the, that's the Meshiloch, uses this idea to understand that it's not an attack on the righteousness of B'nai Yisrael, but it's rather the statement that righteousness alone is insufficient to impose uh, a tragedy on, on others. And you have to make sure that, the, that the, somehow in heaven this kind of action is approved of. Have a good Shabbos. I don't think there's a minion. There's no minion? There is a minion? Okay, so let's start it. If there's a minion, let's start it. Oh, thank you. My children are not here because my son had a baby, girl, and my daughter went swimming. And my grandson came, he's going to be in his Ah, Yuffie. Yeah, yeah. Ah, where? Where are you going to be? I'm on well, they're the Yuffie. Terrific. Yeah. I want you to just glimpse at this is Jewish thought. This is by his mother, Anna Hashkis. If I tell you that nobody, no woman in this city can do what she can do, she's got a real PhD in general philosophy from the Hebrew University. But you will be hearing about this girl more than any other lady. Take, take a quick look. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I'll take a look. Published by Brill. People in the know, no. Brill is, is real.